Life Audio. Hey, friend, Heather Creekmore here. Do you have the same kind of relationship with food as you have with money? That is where we're going today. You all have been researching this. It is so fascinating. Your jaw will be on the ground, I think, as you listen to where we're going today. So I'm so glad you're here. I also want you to know I have a survey I'd love for you to fill out to find out more about what kinds of things you want to hear on the Compared to Who show. So look for the link to that in the show notes. Also, coaching is open. I have a couple spots right now for clients till the summer. So grab one of those spots if you need a little bit of extra help and encouragement on your journey. All the info you need is at comparedtowho.me. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolf. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Welcome to Compare to Who, the podcast to help you make peace with your body so you can savor God's rest and feel his love. If you're tired of fighting body image the world's way, Compare to Who is the show for you. You've likely heard lots of talk about loving your body, but my goal is different. Striving to fall in love with stretch marks and cellulite is a little silly to me. Instead, I want to encourage you and remind you with the truth of scripture that you are seen, you are known, and you are loved no matter what your size or shape. Here, the pressure is off. If you're looking for real talk, biblical encouragement, and regular reminders that God loves you and you're not alone, you've come to the right place. I hope you enjoy today's show and hey, tell a friend about it. Okay, friends, I am so excited to dig into this today. I've been thinking about this episode for a really long time because the concept of stewardship is one that we use with both our bodies and with money. It's a concept from the Bible. And oftentimes, I've kind of interspersed the concepts. When I'm working with a coaching client, I'll ask questions like, hey, if you're good with your money like 80% of the time, is that a win? And they're like, yeah, that's pretty good. You know, okay, well, if you're good with your exercise and how the way you want to eat 80% of the time, is that good or bad? They're like, oh, no, 80% is bad. And so anyway, I've done a lot of work around kind of questioning like why we make body a different set of stewardship rules than perhaps we apply to our money. But then I was talking to a friend about it, shout out to Tracy, 
And Tracy was like, oh, I've been doing research on this too. And Tracy sent me all these articles that talked about how there really is a connection between disordered eating and a relationship with money. So let me tell you a little bit about what I've learned. And I want to give credit where credit is due. So this first kind of set of research is from a website called Eating Disorder Specialists. And they have an article titled, How Eating Disorders Manifest in Money. And the author of this article talks about how in her eating disorder recovery, her counselor or dietitian um, talked to her about something called financial anorexia. And the concept is that those who struggle with anorexia or food restriction often restrict spending money on everything from food to treatment to self-care, like manicures, clothing, books. They also made the point that those who struggle with binge eating disorder or bulimia often find themselves compulsively shopping. And then people who grapple orthorexia, which orthorexia is the need to eat clean or an obsession with eating clean. You don't want to eat anything impure, unnatural. It's it's that sort of obsession. Um, and they said people grappling with orthorexia often ascribe good and bad judgments to what they spend money on. So the example they use is a new winter jacket is a valid thing to purchase if you live somewhere cold, but new mascara is indulgent. And part of the point that they're making through this article is that when we have an eating disorder, when we have eating disorder symptoms, a lot of our deeper issues are around feeling like trying to get our needs met, feeling like we don't know what we can depend on, feeling out of control, looking for something to give us relief, just kind of like any addiction or, or anything we might struggle with. So that same motivation where you are restricting food in order to feel safe in your body could also apply to your bank account. You are restricting spending so you can feel safe and feel like you have enough money in case you need it. So the article goes on and it quotes a woman named Pam Palazzi. And she talks about how the connection between money and food restriction for clients with anorexia uh, looks like this. And she hears her quote, restriction of money breeds discipline and a sense of mastery for an eating disordered client. Similarly to how they use food to self-regulate, they in turn become quote unquote good again, warding off any perception of messiness or more understandably humanness. She goes on to say that these clients do not feel they deserve or are worthy of good things, whether that is food, clothing, love, or acceptance. And so to help these clients, she helps them, and here's a quote, unravel what has been ingrained while slowly and gently revealing how the eating disorder can be seen in all areas of life. So let me pause there and just say how sad this makes me, right? As believers and followers of Jesus Christ, we should know that we have so much worth and value in him, and we are worthy enough to eat. We are valuable enough to deserve food. But beyond that, we're valuable enough to 
deserve to spend money on things we need or even things we want, that those things are okay. It is a disordered relationship with money in the same way it's a disordered relationship with food if you can't spend money to meet your needs and if you don't have any freedom to spend money to meet some of your wants too. Now, of course, there's a balance there like, oh, y'all, we're so black and white and so all or nothing. <laughs> but don't, don't take those lenses off for a minute. And think about how healthy it is to have a little bit of freedom to indulge every once in a while, both with food and with money. Oh, there's so many similarities. And then the one other thing I learned, and I'll give credit here to Live Label Free, it's L-I-V Label Free, and she talks about how food hoarding is a part of eating disorders. And y'all, this really struck me, right? Because I think I had atypical anorexia because I was never, I never met the weight criteria for anorexia, but I definitely was a restrictor. Um, and of course, a binger as well, because when you restrict, you normally binge. <laughs> but I, I think that was my eating disorder category was atypical anorexia. And she talks about how people with anorexia tend to hoard food, which seems really strange because you would think people with anorexia, they don't eat much. So why would they need to stash excessive amounts of food? But she explains it biologically that someone who is malnourished is going to feel more of a drive, like a physical drive to save up essential items. And she says, this is what she says, I'll quote her, when you do not eat enough food, you go into energy deficit. This means the amount of energy you are consuming is insufficient to balance the amount of energy you're putting out. So our survival brains perceive energy deficit as resources being scarce. In other words, energy deficit causes your body to believe you are in a famine environment. And that's what we talk about with diets all the time too, right? How we kind of synthetically put ourselves in a famine environment. She goes on, because your body cannot trust that you will provide it adequate fuel, it must economize its energy expenditure. Your body will conserve energy internally by slowing down biological processes, but this economization will also manifest in external ways, such as with the literal economization of money. So she goes on to say, it isn't just people with eating disorders who will stockpile resources during uncertain times. And she talks about what happened in the pandemic when we are scared and worried about there being enough resources. We were what? We were hoarding toilet paper. And I remember ordering paper towels from like Office Depot because they were the only place that had paper towels and we were out of paper towels as if paper towels are some sort of necessity. But we do some kind of silly things when we are scared, right? When we live Live in a season or a space in our lives where there's scarcity, right? We do biological things to make sure that we have enough. And so she talks about how when you're in a scarcity state with your body, you may actually find yourself hoarding food. Now, y'all, this is so true to me. Like, okay, I have four kids. I shop at Costco. Now I shop at Sam's too. <laughs> it happened to be right next door to where a kid has to go to kickboxing like four times a week. So got the Sam's membership too. And so we have a family of six. I've got teenagers that eat a lot. And so, you know, I end up buying a lot of food. Also, we homeschool. And so they're home all day. And anyway, I feel like we go through a lot of food in this house. 
But if I'm honest, if I go to homes of other people with similarly sized families, I can recognize that our pantry is fuller than most of theirs. And I think part of that is this deeply ingrained thing from my atypical anorexia years where I am used to stockpiling food, whether or not it's fear that there won't be enough or I write it off as like, what well, was on sale? So I bought like six of them because this is the best price I'll ever get. And even in that, there's some scarcity, right? Like, oh, I'll never be able to afford it again unless I buy it now. So I'll buy all of them. Uh, so I, it's interesting. I see my own pathologies in these articles. And I don't know, maybe you're seeing your pathologies too, but it's fascinating stuff. When we come back after the break, though, what I want to get into is this concept of stewardship, right? We've talked about how maybe disordered eating might affect our relationship with money, but what does God say? How does God want us to relate to money and how does that connect to how we relate to our bodies? So that's where we're going to go right after this break. Okay, so we're talking about what the Bible has to say about money and our body image issues. And the verse that I like to use a lot, I'll just start with this is kind of the basic concept, right? I use this verse from Matthew 6, 21 which says, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Now in the Matthew passage, he's talking about money, but I think the same principle applies to our bodies, our body image, taking care of our bodies. And I talk about this a lot when I'm asked the question, how do I know when I've made my body image an idol? How do I know when I've crossed the line from being a good steward of my body and taking care of my body to now I'm in body image idolatry. And this is the verse I used to answer. Okay. Where is your treasure? Now there's a couple tests, treasure tests, maybe you would say, right? And the first treasure test is how do you spend your time? And that's not just your actual time. Like it may show up as time you spend going to the gym or time you spend meal planning. But I want to also talk about the time you spend in your head thinking about how to change your body or what you should be eating or what you shouldn't be eating or you know what you can do to lose that weight or whether or not you should do a new exercise plan those kind of things those are time expenditures in your brain and they can reveal where your treasure is so it's where do you spend your time and then the second treasure test is where do you spend your money right so what what do your bank statements look like? What do your credit card bills look like? Like, do you spend most of your money on diet plans, diet foods, exercise programs, new clothes? Because you feel like, and I've done this, there's no judgment in this statement, but you feel like if I could just find the right clothes, then maybe I'd feel better in my body. And now let me put a little caveat around that, right? I do think you probably need to buy clothes that feel good and comfortable. And there is some value to that. But some of us, at least in my, I would say, atypical anorexia days, I was constantly trying to find like the outfit that would help me feel better about my body. And it just never worked. So that's really what I'm talking about here. Uh, so where's your treasure? Because where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And we know that God wants our hearts right? He cares so much more about the condition of our hearts than the size of the jeans we are wearing. And friend, if you attain the jean size, 
but sell out your heart to the body image idol or even a money idol, right? Or any other idol. If your heart is following what this world says will save you, you've missed it. You will never be satisfied. You'll never be fulfilled. And you'll have missed what God wants for you. You'll have, you've missed his heart. But that's not all scripture has to say about money. So let's do a couple more verses here and just see how they could apply to our body image. So let's look at Ecclesiastes 5 verse 10. It says, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. Now, context of this, right? Ecclesiastes written by Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived. And the book of Ecclesiastes, he's a little bit of a downer, right? It's kind of like vanity, all is vanity. It's meaningless. Like what is worthwhile in life? But I love this verse because it beautifully applies to our body image, right? It beautifully applies to our quest for a better body. So let's, let's, let me kind of, I don't want to rewrite scripture, but think about it like this. It's very much the same principle. So we could say like whoever puts all their focus, love and attention into changing their body, it will never be enough, right? Weight loss is never enough. Whoever loves their body image, who's ever in love with this image of the ideal them, whomever is chasing this ideal body image and thinks it will satisfy, it will never satisfy in the very same way that chasing money will never satisfy, right? The, the question is, uh, has been posed, like, how much money will be enough? And the answer is just a little bit more. And that's so easily happens for women on weight loss or body change journeys. How much weight loss will be enough? Well, just a little bit more, right? How much body change will be enough? Well, just a little bit more. And the reason why the answer is just a little bit more in both scenarios, both money and body is because it doesn't satisfy. We expect it to. We think, oh, as soon as I hit that number on the scale, then I'm going to feel good and I won't have to worry about it anymore. And then I'll be satisfied but it just doesn't work in the same way as any of us right now. If you think about your bank account, you think, you know what, if I had like an extra, I don't know, 10,000 or a hundred thousand dollars in there, then I would be satisfied. Guess what friends? That wouldn't work either. It is according to Solomon meaningless. Okay, let's try another one. Let's look at Hebrews 13, five. It reads like this. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Friends, what if we applied that verse to our love of body or body image? And that's I'm awkward saying that, right? Because you're listening, you're like, I don't love my body, Heather. Like, I don't love my body image. That's why I want to change it. That's why I'm listening to the show because I don't like it. I hate it. Like, I want it to be different. But understand when you are pursuing the body image idol, there is love there. There is worship there. You may not love your body, but you may love the idea of a better body or the idea 
idea or ideal or as I like to say idol of having a certain image that would rescue you or make you feel safe and loved and respected or successful. That's a really big one. We believe our bodies are our business cards and I'm going to do a whole episode on that. We think as long as we have a good body, then people will think well of us and think of us as successful, right? But all of these thoughts, emotions around this are related to our hearts pledging allegiance to an idol. We are giving our love to this ideal idol. So Hebrews 13, five, the principle here is to keep yourself free from the love of money. When again, like with money, money's not bad, right? Like the scripture never says that money is bad. It says the love of money is the root of all evil, right? And it's the same with your body. Scripture says your body is good, but when you love this ideal version of you that you're chasing, right, that distorts it. And then what does it say? Oh, this is so hard. I almost don't even want to go there. It says, be content with what you have. So friend, whether you are rich in the body image department, whether you are rich in terms of you've got a fairly good body, maybe you're shapely, maybe you're naturally thin, maybe you've got nice hair, maybe you're just built really cute and culturally you're in a body that is acceptable. Friend, guess what? You are rich. Or maybe none of those things are true and you've felt poor in the body department. You felt like, hey, God gypped me. Like I am a pauper here in this body. That is not what culture says a good body looks like. It is not what culture says I should look like. Oh, friends, it's the same kind of economy of wealth and poverty. But either way, what does God tell us? He doesn't tell the poor man to chase wealth. Neither does he tell the wealthy person to keep chasing more wealth. He says, be content with what you have. And why? Because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. And when I work with clients, one of the concepts we work with in coaching is this concept of safety. Now that might be a strange word for you. And if you've suffered trauma, like I I don't want that to be a trigger word for you at all. I'm not really talking about safety in terms of physical safety. I'm talking about safety more emotionally, safety from rejection, maybe safety from self-rejection or safety from the rejection of others. It also ties in perfectly with approval, right? We want others to see us and approve of us. And what does God say? He's like, you've got my approval already. You are safe with me. I'm not leaving you. Whether you gain weight or lose weight, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You are safe, my dear one. You are safe. You don't have to do anything else to your body to be safe. You don't need a better body to be safe. You are already safe because you are with me. That's a concept there. I really hope that encourages you. Okay, you ready for one more? I hope so. Let's look at Matthew 19, 25. It says, Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Okay, ouchies. (laughs) 
<laughs> right? I know you're kind of like me. And maybe you're a perfectionist or a recovering perfectionist, right? If you want to be perfect, okay, Jesus tells us how to be perfect. And what does he say? Sell your possessions, give to the poor, you'll have treasure in heaven, come follow me. Okay, now the sell your possessions and give to the poor thing. Let, let me translate that a little bit. And again, I, I don't want to take scripture out of context. That's not not, <laughs> not my mission or goal. And I really, I, I do not want you to think that that's what I'm doing. But the concept here is that Jesus is saying, strip away everything else that is distracting you from that last part. Come follow me. So for the wealthy person, right, the wealthy person has to strip off all of the kind of evidence of their wealth, right? Sell all your possessions because, you know, when you own a lot of stuff, it bogs you down, right? You own a lot of property, you got to take care of the property. You got to mow the lawns. You got to, you know, do the maintenance on it, right? If you own a lot of animals, you got to take care of the animals, if you own have a lot of money in different accounts, you've got to maybe hire someone to manage those accounts or, you know, you've got to track like what your stocks are doing and what your retirement account's doing, right? When you have a lot, it requires your attention. It requires an investment of your time and it requires a little bit of your heart, right? You have to be invested in it, like I said, right? And so Jesus is saying, strip off all those things that are distracting you from me and put your treasure in heaven, right? Then come follow me. So for my friend, what would it look like to stop worrying about having treasure in your body? To stop worrying about having wealth by way of I have a beautiful body. I wear the right size. I am attractive and appealing to all who see me because I've got such a culturally great body. And instead, think about what you are investing for heaven, right? Because guess what? When you get to the gates of heaven, Jesus is probably not going to comment on how hot you were here on earth during your 30s, maybe your early 40s, right? I don't know. I, I make the joke that like after 45, hot's not really a possibility anymore. It's more like attractive, right? But Jesus isn't going to weigh you at the gates of heaven and say, good job, my good and faithful servant for meeting your goal weight according to Weight Watchers. No, no, no. When we get to heaven, the treasure that we have stored there will be about what we did with the life that he gave us. So if we dedicate the life that he has given us to body improvement and dedicate might feel like a big word, but friends, I know some of you know that's true. It was true for me, right? I mean, I did Christian things and I went to church and, you know, I, I, I did the things, but in my heart, my treasure was, I was devoted to how can I get a better body? And I missed out for decades on what God really wanted me to do with my life. What he wanted me to do in my body, not with my body. So let's get to the last part of that verse. Come follow me. Now, I don't know how many of you have watched The Chosen. I love The Chosen. I highly recommend the series. It's fantastic. It's just so well done. But can you imagine how strange it would have been for any of the disciples, as Jesus calls them, to be like, yeah, as soon as I lose 10 pounds, I'm following you, Jesus, right? Or like, as soon as I get my abs more toned or kind of get like my butt the way I want it to look, I will follow you. Like that would it just be straight up weird, right? Because culturally, it doesn't match the context, right? Back then, it doesn't seem like they were worried in the same ways we're worried about body stuff. 
But friends, that's where we're at now, right? I, I don't know. I meet women all the time who are like, you know, I kind of feel led to start a Bible study or start doing this thing at church. And as soon as I lose X number of pounds, then I think I'll be ready. And I have to hear Jesus saying, no, come follow me. Don't worry about that. Come follow me. So my question today is, are you willing to strip it all off? Are you willing to let those body goals fall to the side so you can follow him? Okay, last one, although I could go on with these for days, so maybe there'll be a part two to this. <laughs> last one, Matthew six twenty four. Actually, let me know if you want a part two to this. Let me know if this is good stuff to you. Heather, it compared to who not me. Uh, because if you're loving it, then hey, we'll keep going. But, um, but for today, we'll end with this one. Matthew 6, 24, you've heard this. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, I researched this verse for the book I wrote that's coming out in November. It's a 40-day body image workbook. It's awesome. Very different than anything else I've ever written. A different format. Tons of content in there. I can't wait to tell you more about that and to show you the cover. All that's coming soon. But as I researched this verse, so the original text says you cannot serve both God and mammon. And mammon is an interesting word. So mammon can just mean material riches, but it can also kind of stand for like this evil God of money or this evil God of riches. And that can also just stand for greed. Now, greed feels like a weird word to apply to our bodies. But friends, some of you, this is clicking for instantly. I don't even have to go on. Some of you have, according to culture, like pretty good bodies. And yet you feel stuck that you have to make them even better. Friends, it is the same trap as money. Just a little more is not going to solve it. And you've almost developed greed around body improvement. I'm speaking more gently because I don't want you to feel condemnation. That's not from the Lord. Only conviction is. But you can't be greedy about body improvement without serving another master. And that master is that body image idol that I talk about on the show all the time. If, if this is new to you, look up any of the episodes where I've talked about body image idolatry. But right, an idol is a master, right? That's why God tells us in really the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament that we don't put any other gods before him. He knows that we can't serve these idols and serve him, right? Because the idols, just like the last verse, we, the idols are going to tell you, you need this and you need this and you need this. Whereas Jesus is like, strip it all off, lay up your treasure in heaven, come follow me. You can't serve two masters. You can't serve both God and mammon. You can't serve both God and the body image idol. They are conflicting. Now, my friend, most of you want to bargain and I get it. I'm a bargainer too. Like I've 
been there. Please hear nothing but grace from me on this. But you want to be like, yeah, God, I'm all in and just let me be good looking too. Yeah, God, I'm all in and let me weigh my ideal weight too. Yeah, God, I'm all in and just let me feel like I'm attractive too. Let me feel like I'm in a good body. Let me feel like other people think well of my body. Let me have this other thing too. I can do it all. And then some of you are like uber successful kind of people. And you're like, I can do it all. I can do both things. I can serve both God and this kind of greed because I'm just a high capacity person. But I'm here to tell you, my friend, you can't, your heart can't do that. Maybe your body can, although I would question whether or not your body is actually keeping up with that. Because what happens, at least for me, is I can like go 100% and then I'm like exhausted. I'm wiped out. I can't do anything. Um, so I don't know that that physically works for most people. Maybe, maybe you can do it, but our hearts can't do it. Your heart cannot be divided in two directions. So as I close today, where's your heart? What master are you serving? How are you relating to money? Are you relating to money in the same way you're relating to your body? Are you hoarding food? Are you over shopping and over buying? And that's connected to the way you're eating? Friend, I just want to encourage you today. God is God over all of this. I don't want to overwhelm you. I don't want to burden you. I don't want to stress you out with any of this. I just want to bring it to your awareness. And then I want to give you some encouragement. He can take it. He can handle it. He is big enough to handle it and to help you. And, and friend, there's no better time to get help than now, right? Because once you see it, you don't want to keep living with it, right? It just gets yicky, right? The friction, you know, friction is uncomfortable, right? Like the friction between your thighs. I don't know. Maybe I only, <laughs> the only one that has that, right? But that friction between your thighs is thighs is really uncomfortable. And that's the same kind of friction that happens when you see an area of sin in your life and you keep going. You see the problem, but you keep heading towards it, refusing to stop. The friction just gets hotter and hotter and more uncomfortable and more uncomfortable. So if you need help, reach out. Like I know it's scary to think about doing something like coaching because what if it doesn't work? And maybe you're saying nothing else has worked. I've spent all this money. Speaking of money, I've wasted a ton of money trying to fix this problem and nothing has fixed this problem. Well, have you spent money on trying to address your body image problems from a spiritual perspective? Have you spent money on trying to find the root of your body image issues spiritually? Find out what's in your heart, what's keeping you stuck. That's what we do in coaching. And I'd love to work with you. But you've got to be ready. I'm not going to force it. Like, I, I really only want to work with you if you are at the point where you're like, okay, I give up. I'm desperate. Something has got to give. I need to do something different. That's, you're the one. You're the one I want to talk to. So if you're down for coaching, if you're ready, go to compareto.me. You can find out more. You can actually just go ahead and book an appointment or you can book a 10-minute call with me so we can talk about coaching. But friend, you can get free 
it, it's only the enemy and the idol telling you it is impossible to get free. You can be free. I've worked with hundreds of clients, so many freedom stories. I mean, this is just kind of the first step to freedom because it's a lifelong thing you're going to have to live out. But so many freedom stories. Why don't you be one of them? And I hope today that this conversation about money and body has been interesting to you. I hope it's been helpful. If it has, shoot me a message. Like I said, I've got a whole list of verses here, y'all. I got like six more verses I could have gone through. But I thought, well, we'll keep it kind of tight for today. But if you want to hear more on this, hey, I'll go there. I'll do more research. We'll, we'll get it done. So drop me a message if that's what you want. But I'm so glad you're here today. I'm glad you listened. Share this episode with a friend. If it encouraged you, if it made you think, share with a friend. Talk to a friend about it. I love the opportunity we have to talk to friends around this content. I do this with my friends all the time. I'm like, hey, listen to this. Tell me what you think. Let's have a text conversation about it. So do that with a friend. Get talking. And that's what really helps us learn and helps us apply this to our daily lives. I'm glad you're here today. I hope something helps you stop comparing and stop Start living. Bye-bye. The Compared to Podcast is so excited to be part of lifeaudio.com for awesome Christian podcast content. Go to lifeaudio.com. Oh, hey there, before you go, if something from today's show blessed you, may I ask a huge favor, leave a review on your favorite platform. Seeing your five-star reviews is a huge encouragement to me. Not sure how to do it? You can go to compare to who.me slash podcast, scroll to the bottom, and you'll find all the information. And while you're at compare to who.me, check out some of the more than 500 articles on there about body image, comparison, all the things you're thinking about. Plus, you can find out more about my books, or you can grab a time for a free 10-minute call to see if coaching is right for you. I'm so honored to be a part of your journey out of body image and comparison frustration. And I can't wait to hear how God is working to set you free. The content we feed our minds will eventually show up in our lives. If we feed our minds the lies and confusion of this world, our lives will begin to reflect worldliness. But if we feed our minds the truth of the gospel, our lives will start to reflect the heart and character of Jesus. I'm John Stonge, and each week I host the Dwell on These Things podcast, where we take a deep look at the Word of God and learn what it means to apply it to our lives. We don't skip difficult passages, and we don't gloss over the truth. If you're looking for a show that will put your mind in a better place and help you understand God's Word with more clarity, you can listen to the Dwell on These Things podcast at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcasting app.